0: Excludes in-store clearance. Welcome, everyone, to the part two of our two-part season preview
1: episode. Today, we will be discussing all of the awards races for the 2017-18 season. I'm Brian Taporic. Joining us today are Sarah Chalea, Morton Jensen, and Matt Moore of CBS Sports. Without further ado, here is part two. Uh, all right, let's move into the award debate. Uh, let's start with MVP since, once again, unlike two years ago where Steph Curry just kind of annihilated everyone. I feel like heading into the year, at least, uh, you know, pretty much all of the top MVP finishers from last year, save for Kawhi, got a lot of reinforcements this summer. You got James Harden has Chris Paul. Now Russell Westbrook has Paul George and, uh, Carmel Anthony. You have LeBron James, got Isaiah, you know, lost Kyrie, but got Isaiah Thomas got his buddy, Dwayne Wade back, got the shell that is Derek Rose. Um, so once again wide open race Uh, Matt
0: Excludes in-store clearance. Last year, you, toward the end of last year, I feel
1: like the MVP ro- race drove you to the brink of insanity because you were writing, like, wait, you must have written, like, 10,000 words about the race, ultimately. Uh, so <laughs> have you spent that much time so far thinking about this one? And who do you think, have you, do you have a preseason favorite yet?
2: I have not started thinking about it yet, thankfully. Um, <laughs> I think... Not, not deep diving. I've thought about it, but I haven't started doing research on it, because you just have to see how it goes. There's too many variables. Uh, my pick right now is Kawhi Leonard. And the injury is an interesting question mark, because on the one hand, look, it's Popovich, and it could be just totally fine, and they just know that there's no reason for him to be playing. My concern is when Popovich said, no, it's what he suffered last year. He's just still trying to get over it. That was like red alarms went off all over the place for me. I'm like, wait, 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 what? Like he had to, like this is a, this is a four months ago injury that he's trying to get past and he's not playing in preseason. Um, and the, the thing is, like even if it bothers him a little bit, his whole thing is efficiency, right? Like he's efficient. Mm-hmm. he is, to me, the most versatile player in the NBA right now. Um, including LeBron James, by mostly because of choice, like like Kawhi chooses to do more things than LeBron does because LeBron has the luxury of not. Um, like Kawhi can guard almost anywhere. He can't guard as many of the big positions as LeBron can. He's not. He's secretly under the radar. You can actually bully Kawhi in the post, and nobody's really dug into that because nobody does it. Um, but offensively, Kawhi's efficiency across the board is stunning. The fact that he's so good as a as a ball handler in ISO uh, in pick and roll off-screens, spot-up, like everywhere across the board he's so efficient. And if the Spurs, like I was talking about earlier, are still in that top tier, there were so many smart voters that voted for him last year. Guys like Zach Lowe, guys like Tom Haverstrow, that know this game really well and have really smart takes. Those smart takes go viral and they kind of emanate throughout the league, and then they get filtered back to the reporters who then vote on stuff. And, And Russ was an easy choice, I think, for a lot of the voters last year. I went with Harden for number of reasons I cannot get into for fear of having trauma, but um, I, I do think that this year, Kawhi's a guy that could have that kind of effect, where people just look at it and go, he's so impactful in so many ways, all of these other guys have help, the stats aren't jumping off the page for you know, Westbrook's not averaging a triple-double, Harden's not leading NBA history in points produced, um, LeBron's coasting, uh, You know the Bucks are middle of the pack, all of these things, that to me, I'll suggest that Kawhi's got an excellent chance at MVP, um, I think Giannis is, is going to be a guy that's going to make an interesting case. Uh, I have, I think Kevin Durant's going to probably get a lot more conversation than people are going to expect because of it's been a year. And typically, what happens is not just the media, the public. The public, we punish these guys for decisions like KD made for about a year, and then we get over it. And <laughs> I have like a lot of thoughts on KD's decision that I've written about in the past, but. From an objective standpoint, there's a likelihood that the perception about KD shifts, and that's what we what really matters when we talk about MVP, is what's the perception of him, and where his game is at, and how impactful he is, which is funny, because he could wind up being MVP this year, despite the fact that Curry is still probably the most important player for what Golden State does. Yeah, I mean, that's what
1: happened with LeBron in Miami, right? He, you know, he went to Miami, everyone hated him for a year, made it to the finals, didn't win, but then came back the next year won two straight MVPs so I think KD is a really you know it's a not sexy pick but like had he not gotten hurt last year I think he would have been you know he probably would have been top four at least like he probably would have bumped LeBron out down to number five so I I think that's a totally reasonable uh call there Sarah (laughs) how happy are you that he's got Kawhi number one (laughs)
3: I feel like that's, you know, I, that's the common sense pick to me. The, I, I'm not understanding. I've seen some people who don't even have him top three, and I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. that out. But, yeah, he's he's got to be the favorite right now, I think, um, for all the reasons that Matt just said. Uh, you know, everybody else is not going to have the same type of year they had, the the two main competitors last year. Kawhi had such a great case last year, even so. Um you know, hopefully, like I said, we don't know what the deal is with the injury. I had not heard that it was something from last year. I wish I could go back and unhear that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but if he's able to start the year relatively soon and he's, he's feeling good, you know, with Tony still being out, there's the potential for him to run even more pick and roll. Uh, that was really one of the main knocks that people had last year was he didn't create enough for others. So uh, I think he's shown uh, aptitude for that. So he could do that even more. I also had Giannis as a as a contender, and I also had Kevin Durant. Uh, you guys know my feelings on that, but I do think, like Matt said, people are going to be more comfortable with the decision that he made this year, and that is a big factor. And he was getting um, some buzz last year before he got hurt, so I definitely expect him to, to be in the running.
1: If it makes you feel better, I can comfort you through knowing how to deal with injuries to all your favorite players Uh, I've got some pro tips for you for the last five years (laughs) um Mort are you also on you were on the Kawhi trade last year so I assume you were back on this
4: year absolutely I mean he has to be the clear-cut favorite going in uh Durand as well I had him as number two going in and then John Wall is my number three guy but I'm kind of going yeah yeah but I've I'm kind of thinking Giannis could overtake that one, but I'm, I, j- I just love what Wall did last year, and I think he's building on something. I, I think this was year one of his prime, like his absolute fine prime, and it's going to continue on this season. And now we have Otto Porter, who's developing a lot to be that third star for him, so he, I think he has a lot of options now. He's going to have a sick line. I yeah. had
2: uh, I Wall fifth last year on my official vote, um, mm-hmm. and I... I I was very, I was very adamant that he was the fifth best player in the NBA in terms of impact. Um, I think that this year, especially if he if he gets back to make being the kind of player he's capable of being on the defensive end, um, mm. and if, and if like he just needs one of the he just basically he needs one of those years where his shot just falls a little bit better, like he just gets a few more rolls on shots. For his field goal percentage to tick up just a little bit, to bump his points up just a little bit, and those numbers are going to look absolutely insane. His impact is so much greater than even his stat line. His stat line is always incredible. Um, I think Wall's is a, a really great pick, but the problem you have to think about is like Washington would realistically have to win, you know, 53 games in order yeah, for him to exactly. be in that conversation. And that's and that's what's tough, um, and that's I think the same problem that Giannis is facing as well. Is is you know, you're going to have to get to 53 if you're going to want to be in that conversation. Like, that's just the reality of it. Is If you're going to beat out Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard and even guys like Paul George and Russell Westbrook and LeBron James, you're going to have to be in the 53-plus category, and that, that's a tall order for teams that haven't been there yet.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the Marquise Morris injury, You know, he should be back relatively soon, but that's going to hurt Washington's chances of getting that high, you would think. Uh, although who knows they they've been talking about plugging Otto Porter in at the four a little bit which could be interesting like you guys I I have Kawhi, KD, Giannis all up in there I have Kyrie number five right now because I think you know he's I, I think he is going to be very intent on proving that his trade request was you know he that he really is able to carry a team like he
2: thinks he can uh, my only thing there is you got to keep in mind who the voters are. Okay, so you're, what you have is basically with how the, they have reformatted the voting block um, to, by some weird, terrible mistake, have included me. Um, like they, <laughs> you have traditionalists and a huge swath of, of traditionalists. There's a middle block of international, and then you have kind of the more hyper analytical guys um, mm-hmm. that I fall into Zach Lowe, Tom Haverstrow, Ben Golliver, those kind of guys. Um, And so what's going to happen a lot is, you know, Harden and Westbrook produced at such an insane level that it was able to overcome what their defense was. And their defense, honestly, Mm -hmm. last year was fine. Like, it wasn't good, but it was fine. Kyrie's has been bad, has been consistently shitty. And so, like, (laughs) he's going to have to go from shitty to not bad. In order for him to even be in the conversation for a lot of these votes, mm-hmm. he's going to have to adapt to a brand new system. And as much as he's talking about, oh no, I want to be a point guard. I it was just Cleveland that made me into an ISO scorer, which I was <laughs> since I came into the league. Um, he's going to have to do more than score. He can lead the league in scoring, that will that will not get it done. He's going to have even if he's super efficient and Boston wins a ton of games. If we're able to look at the at the Celtics and go. Look, Kyrie's an incredible scorer, but the reason that that team wins games is because of X, Y, and Z. It's not going to be enough for him. He's going to have to make such a jump. And the other thing is, I'll tell you this, if Kyrie starts to make a serious run at MVP, LeBron James all of a sudden is going to start giving a lot more effort in a regular season context. Mm-hmm. And, that's gonna, <laughs> and, and that's, that, that could get very interesting. If Kyrie jumps out ahead of the MVP pack... Do not be shocked if all of a sudden it's like, yeah, LeBron's coming back from injury a few games early. And, oh, (laughs) LeBron has to come back in in this meaningless game against the Nets in February. Like, don't be surprised if that happens. So there's a lot of kind of context to Kyrie and his pursuit of MVP. It's not to say it can't happen. Oh, God, I want that. Like, I I could (laughs) see it if, if like, Kyrie is just like, yeah, he averaged, you know, he averaged 33 a game. And and the Celtics won uh, a surprising, like, the Celtics won 62. I could see that happening. It's just not something I feel comfortable putting a lot of faith in at this point.
1: Yeah, that's uh, you actually gave the reason why LeBron right now is number one on my board. You know, I I understand the argument for or Kawhi, and I feel like he is you know probably the consensus pick. But because of, I, I just expect LeBron to go so team petty and just like you know he he's saying all the right things about the trade. He like posts on social media and isn't like throwing that much shade. But I just imagine behind the scenes, that guy must be so pissed off. And I'm sure he wants to just annihilate Kyrie in every sense of the word. Like, he wants the Cavs to be better than the Celtics. He wants to beat Kyrie in the MVP race. He wants to just, like, put Kyrie in his place and be like, yo, why did you leave me? Like, I'm still the king. I'm still the best player on this earth. I know I'm probably going to leave next year, but... You know, like, this, we had a good thing going, and now you piss me off. So I'm expecting, especially because I do believe this is LeBron's last season in Cleveland, I've said this before, I just think he's going to give one more, like, just go all out, you know, his, like, love letter to the Cleveland community, basically. Um, With Isaiah out early in the year, he has a lot of new pieces. I think, you know, this Dwayne Wade thing, like, we make fun of Wade and say he's not that impactful, but, like we clearly LeBron loves playing with Dwayne Wade and just loves Dwayne Wade as like one of his best friends. I think he's going to be like a little bit happier now with Dwayne in the lineup and like playing alongside one of his best friends every night. Uh, I was not as high on the Cavs until I heard the stuff about, you know, now they're maybe going to start Kevin Love and put Jay Crowder at the four and put Tristan off the bench. Like that's only gonna A, preserve LeBron's energy on defense a little bit. B, give him more shooters in the starting lineup. Like, it wouldn't totally shock me if he puts up... You know, he had career-high numbers in rebounds and assists last year, and it just flew under the radar because of what uh, Russ and Harden did. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if LeBron has another season where he averages, like, 27-9-8, and 8, which is close to what he did last year. But now, because the Cavs are going to be more under the spotlight and more scrutinized given all their offseason changes... You know, it, this could be his last hurrah, where he's like, after this, I'm probably going to the Lakers, Lonzo's going to get all the attention, so let me get one more MVP under my belt before I do.
2: Well, you said that he was going to the Lakers, and you said Lonzo's getting all the attention. Is he going to the Lakers or China?
1: <laughs> Interesting. <laughs>
2: no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. I think uh, I think uh, the one thing with Le- with LeBron, though, is um, very quietly, his defense has slipped. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah. I say that it, I say that as somebody that has long appreciated what that guy does in all passes of the game. Like I am, I'm pretty close to being a LeBron like stand just in terms of how I like I have so much appreciation for what he's done in the league, um, mm-hmm. on off the court like the way he shaped his game, big moments, everything. Like that guy's incredible. He is he is the most amazing player that um, I've ever covered. Obviously, generational talent.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But last year, like he took a lot of plays off. I mean, he just took a lot of plays off defensively and he wasn't nearly the stopper. And it was a lot of times where he wasn't taking the assignment. Like he was telling other guys like, Hey, go up and take this. I'm going to go chill out and handle Jay Crowder over here. And just like, and then give up an open three pointer to Jay Crowder. Cause I'm off ball. The metrics hit a lot of it. But when you go back and you watch really up close on the Cavs, especially it was actually shocking in the finals. Like Kevin Durant torched him for the yeah. first two games of the series. Like Kevin Durant straight up torched LeBron James. Um, and that's hard to do, and Kevin Durant's one of the only people that can do it, but it happened. And so if LeBron's going to make that run in MVP, you know he's got to get the points along with those rebounds and assists. He's got to have that kind of season. The Cavs are going to have to far out exceed expectations, and you're still talking at that point, you're talking about 57-plus wins, closer to 60. They're going to have to be like a top-three team in the league, not just in, uh, a top-three team in the East for him to get there, and his defense is going to have to be better um, it, it's a high bar that he's going to set he also has his previous seasons working against him, but on the other hand of it there's also there's going to be a push from voters that realize like the meaning of what it would be for him to win M- five mVps and what that would mean for him the kind of guys that he winds up being in line with if he wins his fifth is going to be that 's a, a topper on his career that people are going to feel like he needs
1: yeah i'm optimistic that Jay will help you know having jay in the starting lineup will at least help with some of those defensive concerns so now he doesn't have to guard the opposing you know the best opposing wing every night and put up again 25 9 and 9 like he can focus more of his energy on offense and you know preserve himself a little more on defense so even if he's not as defensively impactful as he was earlier in his career at least like the metrics will not say he is you know below average now like he might just grade out as average or above average uh the thing that I think is going to hurt them the most is just the talent drought in the East. Like now, if the Cavs, the Cavs could basically turn into like last year, or the Warriors from two years ago, where like all of their starters sit out in the fourth quarter for half their games because they're playing the Orlando Magic and they're up fifty points on them by the third quarter. They're like they're playing the Bulls and you know they're resting after halftime. So whereas the West. Now, like, all of those teams got so much better that I actually think the Warriors are going to have to play their guys a little bit more than they would like to. The East, it's the opposite concern. Like, the, the only reason you're going to have to play the guys, you know, 35-plus minutes is because you want them to develop chemistry heading into the playoffs. Like, you're going to blow out the, you know, the Pacers and the Magic and the Knicks and the Nets. Like, those, those teams aren't going to put up much of a fight most nights against these top four seeds. So... Yeah, this, this all goes to say, MVP, again, wide open this year. You can make a case for, realistically, like eight or nine guys heading into the year. That's probably selling it short. You know, we didn't even talk about Harden, Russ, uh, Chris Paul. You could say Paul George is maybe going to get in there. Anthony Davis, Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns. Like, all of these guys could be in the mix feasibly. Uh, so it should be a fun one to monitor this year. Defensive player of the year, I feel like it's kind of just turned into a three-man race between Rudy Gobert, Kawhi Letter, Draymond Green. Uh, Kawhi and Draymond have split it the last three years. So, Matt, who would you peg as the early favorite this year?
2: Uh, it's Rudy. Um, Rudy's going to be the guy because they're, we're usually a year late on rewarding guys, and that's not to say that Rudy deserved it last year because I voted very comfortably comfortably and confidently for Draymond Green. Please don't hurt me for that. Um, <laughs> but, like, I just think that Gobert is very likely to get it this year. Utah is going to have to double down on defense in order for them to win games because their offense is going to slide a lot. And so I think Rudy's got a very good chance of um, of taking it. I just think that his impact and, and where he's at and the conversation around him, I think somebody will probably crash the party. Um, probably a wing defender will probably get in on the action and, and start picking up some of those votes. But... Uh, if they do, they're going to take votes away from the other perimeter defenders, which are primarily Draymond and Kawhi. Even though you think of Draymond as like an interior guy, his holding is versatility, and so those wing defenders are going to wind up splitting votes. And Gobert will take it from traditionalists that view the impact of the shot-blocking, rim-protecting big man. So I think I feel pretty confident that Rudy Gay or Rudy Gobert, if healthy, is going to take it.
1: Yeah, he's my pick as well. And worth noting, Robert Covington was fourth in the voting last year, so maybe he'll slide in. Uh, still, supposed to Kawhi. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sarah, are you are you gonna go for the twofer with Kawhi, or are you gonna also give it to Gobert?
3: No. And by the way, has anybody ever won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year the same year? It seems impossible. Question.
4: I'm not... I. I. Sure. Well, did Mike win the MVP when he won Defensive Player of the Year? I'm not sure.
2: No. Well. Yeah, no?
3: I don't think that that had happened, but. Yeah, um, no, I, I tried really hard, Brian, to come up with somebody outside of those three. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, maybe Jake Crowder if he just really focuses on just that for that team. But I, I don't really see it happening. Oh. I'd like to see Andre Roberson get a little bit more love, uh, He's if he keeps up the way he has. What's up, Mort? Did you find it?
2: Yeah, three, th- oh. four players have done it.
3: Really? Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs>
2: yeah. That's oh, Hakeem. Yeah, Hakeem won it. Oh. David Rob- David Robinson, KG, and Jordan, wow. the same year. Yeah. Uh, wow. Wait, no, maybe that's, that's, that's independently. That's gonna be independently.
3: Oh. Okay. You uh, that there were Jordan and were Elijah. Awards.
2: Jordan and Elijah won won both awards in the same season. So those two. Wow, that's yeah.
3: an, in, incredible. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so well, maybe. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I actually had both Gobert and Draymond above him this year. I I don't think that he's going to finish that high again this year. But, um, hey, you never know. But, yeah, I actually kind of felt like it was Gobert's year as well. Um, we'll see how the voters go. But like I said, well, I'd love to see Roberson get a little more love if he continues to defend at the same level and maybe even gets a little better. I think sometimes maybe, possibly, he gets docked just because he's not good offensively, but that mm-hmm. shouldn't hurt how good he is defensively.
2: Right. You know yeah, it uh, you know could help Kawhi actually is because a lot of their really great defenders are gone, um, mm-hmm. and it's going to help his MVP case as well. If the Spurs win all these games, the voters are going to feel like, look, Kawhi is this team. He's the only reason they're this good. Um, and they really like that argument. I'm not keen on it because I look at things a little bit more of a complex fluidity standpoint, but um, I could definitely see a scenario where defensively especially, if they're number one defensively and you're just looking up and down this roster and you're like, they have no good defenders, and they are the the best the best defense in the league. Like this is clearly Kawhi. If the if the on off numbers even out the way everyone kind of expects them to, like I could definitely see that being the case.
1: Yeah, as long as a certain CBS Sports reporter doesn't write a long article about <laughs> its on off numbers being uh, so being, I was so grateful being,
2: no one asked Popovich about that. Like I was because oh I kept God. waiting for I was kept waiting for someone to ask it. Like I literally was like running to the computer. <laughs> Every day when I knew that there was pregame availability going on, being like, Please don't ask, please don't ask, please don't ask, please don't ask. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, that, that would have been the only time he actually spoke to the media and he would have just gone out for like fifteen minutes, I bet. That would've yeah. been that could have been good. Uh, all right, Mort, do you you also agree? Go bear preseason favorite. Now,
4: I, I actually well, I, I actually had Draymond first, though I, I preferred to be Rudy. And it's because I, I think with Gordon Hayward leaving Utah, uh, you know, Gobert is going to have a bigger offense role, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of voters are going to look at that and say, oh, then he's not going to have like the same level of intensity available defensively. So let's go with Draymond because he doesn't even need to take a shot during a game. He's all in on defense. But my personal preference, obviously go- Gobert. I think he's the best defender in the league at this point. Yeah. Uh,
1: okay, let's move on to sixth man of the year. Another really wide open one, especially because part of it we just don't mm-hmm. know who's starting with a lot of these teams. So, Matt, who, who do you have as your early favorite, if you have one?
2: For which award? Which one are we talking about? Uh, sixth man of the year. Oh. Um, man. Uh, I got to wait and see. The other thing is, like, I'm always off on these, and the reason is, it's just a, an award about scoring, and... Mm-hmm. I'm not great at evaluating the game that way. Like I'm always about like who's giving the most on both ends of the floor and like who's really providing like who who's actually coming in and leading leading these units. Who's actually coming in and providing the baseline? Um, I, I think Greg Monroe had a really excellent case last year. I think he was mm-hmm. he was excellent. I gave it to Andre Iguodala just because I had never given it, I never I had never said Andre Iguodala was it in previous years because Iguodala said he didn't want it and I was like I respect his decision to not be treated as such like he's, he's starter caliber he just happens to play for the Warriors uh, but as soon as he was like no I want it I was like alright done you get it if you want it <laughs> you get it um, I don't think it's likely that he repeats because there was some slippage last year mm-hmm. so I think uh, hmm I gotta be honest yeah. with you. I don't have a name. I'm gonna have to wait and see, kind of who comes out uh, and who develops it. I'll, well, I'll give you this one. Patrick Patterson is one I, is a name i will put on the list. Um, wow, I, think, Pat- That's a good I one. think Patterson. I think Patterson's one that could wind up because he's gonna have so many open looks and he's gonna have such a high-powered offense. If he knocks down shots and plays defense and rebounds, I think there's a good chance that Patterson gets a, a solid chance at that.
1: I like that pick, um, Sarah. How about you?
3: Yeah, I can't believe he uh, he came up with that one, because that was one that, that I had, too. Nice. Um, that's awesome, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, Patrick Patterson. I actually had Norman Powell, number one, Ooh. but that was really more of, like, a feel thing. <laughs> Sometimes no, I just get a good feeling. That's a great pick. That's a great yeah, pick. and so it may not happen, but um, Eric Gordon, I think, has a good chance to be up there again. Mm-hmm. Actually, like, I was looking, you know, intentionally trying to look at teams that I think will be pretty good. Like, who can be the guy coming off the bench? And, I, you know, I was thinking about Mute for a minute. He actually shot 39% from three last year. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like he won't get as many shots in all likelihood as Eric Gordon. And as Matt said, they usually give it to the guy who scores more points. So, um, and then I was looking at the Warriors as well, and I thought, you know, Caspi is an interesting guy. Mm. Obviously Nick Young. But, yeah, then you look at the fact that they have, like, four guys who could win it. You know, Icky um, Livingston's always phenomenal for them. So it's hard to pick one guy off that team.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. I am so here for Nick Young, winning sixth man of the year. Let's start that (laughs) campaign right now. Uh, More, any names that they haven't mentioned yet?
4: Well, Sarah mentioned a current Raptor. I'm going to go with a former Raptor and Corey Joseph. Ooh. And, yeah, but again, this was, like, the toughest one as well because it's something that develops over the course of a year. When someone's role is defined and they kind of get into it and they accept it and embrace it, you know, I am the six man and also I agree with Matt. It's always like as high scoring popularity contest in that sense. So I was, I'm kind of hoping that breaks with, with uh, Corey Joseph simply because he's not going to be a guy who's going to come out in every seventeen. He's probably going to be a guy who's come out and plays steady defense and scores like 12 points a game. I also hope his his move to Indiana frees him up a little bit because he came into a Raptors team where he was forced to shoot a lot more than drive. Like his free point rate went up and his free throw rate went down. And that's not his game. And I'm kind of hoping that Indiana has looked at that and forces not forces him, but opens him up to become that player he used to be in San Antonio. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Corey Joseph is a really good pick. And that that Indiana team, going back to the talk about, you know, a team that could, like, sneak into the playoffs, like, I've talked about how much I hated what they did this summer because they just refused to embrace a rebuild, but, like, they have the talent. Like, their top six are all NBA players, which you can't really say about many teams in that range of the East. So, yeah, Corey Joseph could be a really interesting guy. I mean, if the Cavaliers actually have the gumption to put Dwayne Wade on the bench and keep J.R. Smith in the starting lineup, which I think they should do, you know, if we're you know we're saying six man off and goes to a high scoring guy, I could just see D Wade sneaking in there. Will Barton's a guy that I just have always loved, and I, I feel like with Gallinari gone, uh, the Nuggets are gonna need that scorer off the bench I think you know he's filled that role very well the last couple years so it wouldn't surprise me if he's in there Sarah as you mentioned Eric Gordon uh you know before Lou Williams came to town he was I thought far and away the front runner uh Lou Williams as well could be right in the mix and I'm also giving a shout out to homie Dario I don't think (laughs) he's gonna put up huge numbers but I just love him and I want him to get an award after he was wrongfully robbed last year uh, all right. Speaking of being wrongfully robbed of MVP or Rookie of the Year, I should say, let's move to Rookie of the Year. Uh, Matt, are we all just going to
2: give it to Lonzo Ball and move on? Not at all. Not hey. at, in any in any capacity. Here's one. He's bad. <laughs> He's bad. Uh oh. Like, it's it's cute. I I'm I like that everyone likes the energy around him and thinks his dad's entertaining for some dumbass reason. <laughs> but like, that that guy's shot is a corkscrew, yeah. and it's low, and defenders are gonna block the hell out of it. His release point on his layup is low. Like he's shooting from his hip on layups. Do you know what's gonna happen when Rudy Gobert sees that? He's gonna <laughs> block that thing into the moon. <laughs> That team is garbage. They're surrounded by bad players all over the place. Julius Randle's their best player. He can't... He Not only can that kid not play defense, but he's going to get targeted very specifically over and over and over again. Um, so, no, it's not going to be Lonzo Ball. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. is a really good pick. I think that... Um, Ben Simmons, based off of a single preseason game, sure, uh, is a really good pick. I think that um, you can even get some of the the deeper cut guys on the list and that they could make a run at it. I think that uh, it's not insane to me to envision a scenario where Jason Tatum is just getting raining buckets constantly Mm. for a playoff team and that winds up mattering. Um, There's all of these guys I can go up and down the list and think that they're going to be it. If Lonzo Ball gets it, I am pretty confident it's going to be because he plays for the Lakers and there's hype about him because one of the things that's not that's going to be missed is, like, does he make good passes? Yes, but so many of the assists that he's racked up are just basically, like, very essential symbol. Like, he's passing to a guy on the wing, he's taking two dribbles and taking a jumper, and he's getting the assist credit for it. Um, mm-hmm. I have yet to see a pass from Lonzo in preseason basketball, not even full-speed NBA that's really been like, oh, wow, he really found a way to exploit the offense. And he's going to have to have guys around him to do that. Um, I just have a lot of, of, of skepticism about Lonzo. Um, I think there's a lot of guys. I think Darren, Darren Fox is going to be on that list. I think that there's mm-hmm. all these guys that are going to have a really strong potential to take that award. I think it's going to be wide open. Um, but I think you know, if, if I'm going with anybody, I'm going with Ben Simmons just based off of he has another year. Like he's had a year in NBA strength and conditioning programs, and that helps you. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, I I would not put Lonzo Ball in my top seven for Rookie of the Year. Oh my god. I was so excited
1: <laughs> for your mentions when you really start going to war on Lonzo Ball this year. It's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be a fun day on Twitter. Uh <laughs> Sarah, where do you see the Rookie of the Year race shaking
3: out? I actually had Ben Simmons number one as well. Hey. Um, I think it's gonna be tough, uh, because I do think Let's face it, Lonzo is going to be on ESPN every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, good, bad, or ugly. Uh, his dad has pretty much made sure of that. And ESPN, being ESPN, has made sure of that. He's going to be in the news all the time. So it might be hard for someone else to overcome that. But we do have, you know, knowledgeable voters out there who don't just pay attention to that. So that's the good news. Um, that's a yeah, Robin I like... one. <laughs> I, li- I just like what Ben does. Um, I think he has. The potential to really be impactful um I like Dennis Smith Jr. too I think you know Malik Monk is probably going to mm-hmm. get more opportunity now uh with what's happened to Nick so uh, there's a lot of rookies that I like though uh, I don't you know like Donovan Mitchell's probably not going to get that much time but I like him just, of course we know <laughs> more likes him as well is that who you got Mark?
4: Hell yes it is <laughs> I'm all in for Donovan Mitchell I don't care uh with no Gordon Hayward there, he's going to get a lot of shots. Everyone is like, touting Rodney Hood as the go-to scorer, which I agree with. But he, there's still a lot of shots left on the table for Donovan. Mm. He's very close to being an NBA defender already. He's yeah. going to have to adjust just a little bit. But his his body is it seems to be NBA ready. He's great defensively. His athleticism is off the charts. Mm. The, the jumper has been improving. I am really digging Donovan Mitchell. And I, I'm... I think he's going to take it.
2: Uh, so I got to ask you a question: How many young
4: dudes have gotten significant playing time under Quinn Snyder? That's true. That's the thing. That is like the biggest obstacle for him. But uh, given how they're constructed currently, I, I think they're they, they he doesn't really have a choice. I have, when he pushes comes to job, he's going to look at that team. and He's going to play the best players. Uh, and I. <laughs> oh, you're not. Yeah. Okay. It. Well, okay, I it, mean, look. Think of this way: when. When Hayward and Gobert were hurt
2: the last couple of seasons, did he turn to young mm. guys to try and provide a boost, or did he double down on we're going to have to grind out games?
4: He did. That's and, true. And, but... <laughs> bear, and,
2: and bear in mind that a lot of these rotations and the, the kind of lineups that Mitchell would be playing in, even though he's more of a four at this point, James John, or Joe Johnson's going to be getting a lot of those minutes as well and operating right. in that kind of a capacity. And if you're a team that's trying to win games this season and – you know, Ricky Rubio will find him because Ricky Rubio loves everyone, but like, mm-hmm. if you're on a lineup and you get a bunch of guys that are trying to win games and you're like... Because this happened with Jamal Murray last year where Jamal Murray was a really talented scorer and sometimes the best natural scorer on the team. He was not given the ball by the veterans because the veterans were like, we can't trust you yet. like You're just too young and you don't know what you're doing and we're trying to win this game right now. So like, all of those factors... like Donovan's position is really ill-suited for him to be able to put up big numbers. I think he can look good but I'm skeptical that he's going to be able to produce at the level he's going to need to.
1: Yeah.
2: I, I, other than I, that, I, it was a really good idea, though, and, like, I like Donovan Mitchell <laughs> a lot. Like, other than that, it's a really interesting idea. I think, I think I'll tell you this. Like, I think there's a good chance that he wins six-man of the year in a couple of years, and he winds up being a real star. Because, I, I, like, I, you're dead yep. on, and, like, you're the, you made a really good point about how he's NBA-ready to defend right now. That's going to help him a lot, um, just in terms of his body being able to and the mindset that he takes. You're absolutely. That's a really good point, that and that could help him with getting minutes if he shows that he's ahead of the curve like that. Because yeah, you know, look, I mean, Hood's gotten minutes and opportunities, and like um, Snyder wasn't afraid to give to basically just give the reins to, to Hood's over, Hood over Burke, uh, Burks when that didn't work out. So, but that position is really log jam for them as well.
4: Well, that's the thing. I'm kind of not counting on. I hope I'm wrong, but Alec Burks is playing like what 20 games a year? Sometimes he really he goes down a lot. So. The fragility of him is something that I'm banking yeah. on for Donovan to get a chance. If if Alec is healthy, then absolutely that goes out the window. But I'm just looking at the roster. And be exactly with your Joe Johnson point is well noted because I had him going in like as a three and a small ball four, which kind of in my mind said, you know what, that's going to open up minutes. For my mind, it was more because Donovan is potentially NBA ready defensively Quinn Snyder is, loves good defense. He understands good defense, and that's kind of what I'm betting all my chips on here is he's going to look at Donovan and he's going to go, you know what, we need some very disruptive D at the 2 slot. Then he's going to get minutes, and that's when he's going to break out because I, <laughs> just because of his offense is a lot better than people give him credit for. That one, his first season, his freshman season in Louisville, it was god-awful, and I don't, I don't think people have really caught on to the fact just how much he improved from year 1 to year 2. So, But, I mean, we'll see. We'll see.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think there's a real chance he ends up being one of the five or six best players from his class, but it, it is going to be tough for him to get the minutes required for Rookie of the Year. Mort, I'm, I'm sad you didn't pick Louis Markkinen. I really wanted you to go all in on him.
4: Well, I mean, look, <laughs> he was great at Eurobasket. He really yeah, was, he was. But I'm just, I'm not, I can't, I, I really can't trust Fred Hoiberg to develop anyone. Yeah. So. The yeah. finisher. Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> That's a good nickname. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah,
0: it is. Uh, I mean, I, I think. Could have had
4: Dennis Smith Jr., though. He could have.
1: But you already have yeah. six-point guards of the future. Why do you need a seven?
4: <laughs> oh, I'm going to. Hey, you know what? I have something to say about that when we reach most improved players. I know, so, I know. Yeah.
1: I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, I think rookie of the year, it's going to come down to ball, Simmons, or Smith. I I have Ball number one, even though he's not. I think Simmons is going to be the best player this year, but I think because Ball is on the Lakers, is going to be on ESPN every night. You know they are they have made no bones about turning the team over to him. Uh, he has less talent around him than Ben Simmons does. I think you know he's again it all comes down to Embiid, I guess, and how Fultz does. But I just think it's going to be easier for Lonzo to put it up. Big box score numbers. He's, it's basically going to be like how? the Michael Carter Williams phenomenon for a couple years ago.
2: How? He's like, like, I, he, he's how, gonna, how is he going to get assists on a team that can't score? And how is he going <laughs> to score with that broken ass jump shot? He's got Brooke Lopez. He has
1: KCP. I, I have faith in Brandon Ingram still. If, you know, Randall. They, they're, like, telling Randall not to handle the ball in transition and give it Such to Alonzo. Such a bad Lonzo.
4: move!
1: Yeah, right. So they're,
3: bad!
1: They're, they're getting rid of one of Julius Randall's biggest strengths so Alonzo can handle the ball more. It just seems like they want him to be one of the highest usage point guards in the
2: league, which yeah, he may, is he may be, not going to play in their strength. Yeah, he may be too big to fail. Like, that's, yeah. a, that's a reasonable point that, like, he may just be like, they're, we're going to make this happen no matter what, and then the rest of us are going to be like, he shot... 37 percent from the field and right. his turnover ratio was like 1.2 and like they were t- uh, 17 points worse with him on the courts and they're like nope he averaged average nine assists that's all it yeah. took
4: yeah
2: <laughs> yeah exactly it, it, so it's, so it's going be a
3: laker it, it should clearly be kuzma right
2: oh uh, yeah. yeah people are people are a hundred percent serious about that my mentions like, they were like, you put, you put him on that list. And I'm like, okay, it's been six good games in, in summer league and preseason, but sure.
1: God, God bless Lakers fans. They can just be optimistic about anything. Okay, let's go into most approved player. Mort, hit us with your hot take right away.
4: Well, let me just say first, right off the bat, the number one guy I have there is Gary Harris, because Mm -hmm. Gary Harris is awesome. Uh, Willie Hernan Gomez is my second guy. I know that position is just loaded in New York at this point, but that's partly why I think he's going to outplay everyone there at the center spot and just make that position his own, and he's going to prove just how brilliant he is. Then here's the thing, and (laughs) this is not a vote of confidence, by the way. This is not like a compliment to Jerry and Grant, who is the best point guard on the bulls of all of their point guards of the future. <laughs> I just think they have no one else to really take a lot of shots. They have Zach Levine and to some extent, you know, Nikola Mirotic, but that's not enough. You still need someone else to step up and shoot the damn ball. And you can't really trust Chris Dunn to does to do it. He's going to go one for nine anyway. So Jerry and Grant, why not? That's, that's where I'm at. And he's actively lobbying for it as well. He's been all out. You know, he's going to get the MIP and whatnot at, at, I just he's going to have like a season where his raw stats are going to look like semi decent and the rest when you dig into it are is going to look horrid and I'm going to love it because it's going to be so bad.
1: He plays for the Bulls so he's automatically out of any award race in my books.
4: <laughs> I love the fact that you just have to clarify for for the listeners he yeah. plays for the Bulls. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. In
1: case you didn't know because he went no. to basketball <laughs> purgatory, he does play on the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls are objectively the worst <laughs> team in basketball. Therefore, it doesn't matter how much he improves; he's still going to be playing next to complete garbage. Oh,
4: yeah, yeah. So it's not really him improving; it's his stat line, right? Yeah, probably like next. <laughs> <right>. improving <laughs> yeah. next to
1: his D league teammates, maybe he'll put up good numbers. But oh god, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sarah, how about you? Who do you have the most improved race?
3: I also had Gary Harris number one. Nice. Um, I had Torian Prince on Ooh, my list. Yes. Yep. I think, you know, he's going to get a lot more playing time. He's not necessarily going to be that much better, but I think he was solid last year, and he's just going to have that much more opportunity to show it. Um, It's just, it's interesting at this point in the year, because, you know, we don't, it's such a crapshoot. We don't really know what kind of work guys put in, especially us, (laughs) who haven't been in the gyms at all. So, yeah, Um, I I would love to give it to a guy like Justice Winslow or Brandon Ingram, but I, Mm -hmm. I don't really see that happening for either of them this year. I'm still in on those guys, still hopeful, but, I, yeah, I can't go with that yet this year.
1: Yeah, I, I don't have him on my list, but Stanley Johnson is another one who I could actually see mm. sneaking in there. Um, yeah, I mean, well, Matt, how about you? Do you have a most improved favorite so far?
2: Uh, Gary Harris is a really smart one. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's going to be better defensively this year. Uh, he's going to continue to put up really great numbers, Uh, There's sometimes a a similar effect with DPOY where there's a lag effect where a guy improves Mm -hmm. the previous year and it takes a year to catch up. Harris was Mm -hmm. phenomenal last year. His on-off stats were incredible. Um, He makes everybody better. He's the best cutter with Jokic. He's a great shooter. He's going to be much better defensively this year with the scheme the Nuggets are implementing. Your pick of Miles Turner that you put on the list is really good just because he's going to have a lot of opportunities, and that's going to give him uh, a lot of nights where he's the best player on the floor. Rodney Hood's another good pick. Uh, if Hood's able to get healthy and put it together, he's going to he's gonna really show out, and that's going to help them. If Utah's in that conversation, um, then th- he's going to get a lot of pull for that. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to – there's only two ways this goes. There's C.J. McCollum years where we all see it coming, and Gary mm-hmm. Harris would be kind of the candidate there. Uh, and then there's years where it's just like, wow, like nobody expected him to kind of make that leap. One thing I will say is stay away from second-year guys because the voters, we've kind of wisened up to that, and we don't do that because it's like you're supposed to improve between your first and Mm. second year in the league. Like, it's hard not to improve uh, (laughs) between your first and second year because your first year is really rough. And so these third- and fourth-year guys um, are oftentimes kind of a better opportunity. Uh, I'll throw out one more name for you. Uh, Victor Oladipo I think is a really sneaky candidate for that. Um, Depot had some good moments last year and it was a rough situation with how much Russ was dominating the ball and being in a new environment uh, if he's able to kind of get his feet under him and if he just makes a leap in any significant area, his versatility is going to help them a lot. If Indiana is better than expected uh, and it's not because of Turner, then El O has got a really good chance at being able to come in and take that award. Oh, and uh, one more guy of uh, Nurkic um, who, Ooh, yeah. mm-hmm. which is kind of a crap out in terms of, like, uh, it, it, the real story on that, having covered him in Denver, would be, like, player who's most improved <laughs> in giving a goddamn about any particular play or practice or his conditioning or playing through injury or passing or his teammates uh, because he really was a complete garbage fire in Denver, but he's really turned the corner and bought into what Terry Stotts has sold him. Uh, and if he comes out as just a monster and plays at an all-star level, there's a a great chance that uh, he's going to wind up in that spot as well. Yeah,
1: the Nurkic pick is good. I I didn't give him consideration. Depot would be fourth on my list right now, because a lot of the times, it's not even like which players have actually improved the most. It's like, who has more opportunity because of off-season turnover, and that's, you know, you mentioned, Matt, the guys on my list. Miles Turner, Rodney Hood, Gary Harris, all three of those guys. Turner's going to be in theory, the number one option in Indiana now. Rodney Hood with Gordon Hayward gone. He's going to take over that wing-scoring mantle, and they've said, you know, we expect him to average 18 points a game. You guys all talked about Gary Harris. I'm in on him, too. I think he's going to have a monster year. So, you know, it's hard, Sarah, as you said, it's hard to, like, project who added the Mm -hmm. most to their games. I'm basically just picking good guys who are going to have increased opportunities, and I think Turner, Hood, Harris all stand out uh, in that category. So let's wrap up with Coach of the Year now, which is also a crapshoot, especially this early in the year. Uh, More, you, you you have established you just think Greg Popovich should win every year until the end of time. So are you sticking with Pop this year?
4: Always, <laughs> oh. always. Look, here's here's the thing. I I think, like Matt has said several times in that, you know, voters are a year late to the game or fans are late to the game, whatever. Like, I'm still waiting for someone to give Tim Duncan his first Defensive Player of the Year award. (laughs) I don't want to see when Pop, you know, retires. We look back and he has, like, just too few Coach of the Year awards. He deserves as many as he can possibly carry. So, yeah, I'm on Pop until he retires. I don't care.
1: Yeah, I, I... He's number one on my list, too. Uh, I I just think if the Spurs are going to be as good as we expect them to be, given what happened everywhere else in the West, then voters are just going to have to recognize like, look, it's Kawhi and friends instead of like Kawhi and two other superstars. So if the Spurs still win 55 games, that is a testament to Pop and Kawhi more than, you know, they didn't need to build a super team of big threes to stay relevant in a Superpowered West, uh, Sarah. Are you also on the pop train?
3: <laughs> well, I'm always on the pop train, but <laughs> I, had, I had Brad Stevens number one. Actually, mm. that's you know, it's it's quite the chemistry experiment they've got going there, and a lot of new pieces. But he's always been so good at uh, at drawing things up, and he's got all these new new pieces to play with. So I think that could be interesting. Uh I also had Pop and Spolstra in my list. I had a hard time though coming up with names which is not usually the case i think it'll be a lot easier once we're a couple months into the season but yeah this is just like picking good coaches at the moment
1: yeah yeah basically yeah uh yeah matt who's a top year coach of the year
2: board uh popovich is good um guys i've actually got something going on upstairs can i depart for a second Yeah, Yeah, yeah yeah sure thing sorry sorry about that one
0: second no problem no problem
2: Hey, really sorry about that. Something like came to my door my kids' home upstairs, just started like oh. hanging out and, and like the dog has a tendency to run out and I was afraid it was like a maintenance guy and so I was like gotcha. a disaster could strike. So yeah, that, that <laughs> <is> <laughs> sorry so about valid. that. All good. My bad. Um,
1: do you want me to just feed you that question again and then we can... yeah, uh, I'll just tell you in a couple minutes. Okay, cool. Uh,
2: Matt, who is this have your coach of the year board? I mean Pop's easy. Pop's just like it's an easy choice. He's always going to get votes from smart people that, that know that he's the best coach in the game. Um, you know, if they win as many games as we think, the the risk is if they do slip right. If they have one of those years like 2015 where they are a little bit under. Like he's a, he has to beat that standard
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, consistently, and that's going to be a problem. I think um, I have a, a lot more names on the list, right? So I think think of it this way: that pack of West teams we talked about, where any like all those teams are so close. Whoever comes out of that is going to have a really good shot, because if you wind up with a fifth or sixth seed, uh, if Portland winds up fifth, Terry Stoth is going to have a really great claim to that. If the Wolves are even better than we expected, uh, and they're like competing with the other three teams behind Golden State, uh, Tibbs is going to get a lot of votes, because he's very popular with the media for the perception of, of what he is, um, a team like Denver, if they wind up winning 47 to 50 games, they're going to be in that co- – like Michael Malone's going to be in that conversation. All the way up and down, you're going to have these guys that um, if you're not expected to be as good – because they got it last year. Like Miami, it was basically – Spolster wound up taking uh, coach of the year votes because his team sucked hard <laughs> right. for a month and a half and then got so much better. And that kind of stuff impacts – like those narratives impact the – the voters a lot and that's something that you have to kind of keep in mind is um the path that somebody takes so if if a team like brooklyn philadelphia or indiana if one of those three teams is actually above 500 they're going to get a lot of votes because the expectation and the thought process is that that team does not have the talent to finish with that kind of a record Um, Popovich is the easy default answer, and that's where you need to stick to. D'Antoni is a guy I would not go for. Uh, Billy Donovan is a guy I would not go for because he's got too many new things going on. Uh, I am not willing to put stock in Brad Stevens because I've never seen him with actual star talent before. (laughs) I don't know how he's going to do in that situation, especially, like, is he going to get through to Kyrie? Um, If he does, I wouldn't be shocked at it. I'd be like, oh, all right, that makes sense. Um, And he's a great coach, but and And the big thing with Stevens, although I will say I'm like talking myself into it as I talk um <laughs> the 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 voters want to give Brad Stevens an award, like yeah. everyone loves him, the media loves him um the fans love him, the players love it like it's very easy to give Brad Stevens coach of the year if the Celtics are a top. You know, three team in the league, so um, that's actually a a pretty good choice. I'm just so skeptical of like new teams coming together with that kind of talent built around Kyrie freaking Irving, Um, (laughs) but it's it's a pretty reasonable option. I think there's a lot of guys that could wind up taking it, even if Pop is by the runaway kind of default choice.
1: Yeah, I I, Stevens is number two on my list because I think I'm probably a little more optimistic. I just think you know him being reunited with Gordon Hayward, I think that will help ease the acclimation period a little bit since he's at least, you know, it's been, what, seven, eight years since they've been together. But at least, you know, he they are familiar with one another. It won't be, like, a completely uh, fresh start like it is with Kyrie. But as, you know, as we talked about earlier, like, the, it, what, they brought back four players from last year. Like, it is going to be really hard for them to hit the ground running. So if they do, by some miracle of God, uh, you know, and if Kyrie ends up having an MVP caliber season, it, w- it wouldn't be hard to see Stevens getting it. But Matt, as you said, like any of those teams in that five through ten range, like if they really surge up, it'd be very easy to see any of them. And none of us mentioned Steve Kerr, who like you know he can basically fall asleep, and the Warriors are going to win seventy games. So just by default, like if they again threaten to crack seventy, if or, or God forbid, if they try to get for 74 like he's gonna pick up votes as well so uh this whole exercise is basically to show that really outside of defensive player of the year where there seem to be a few clear front runners like all of these award races there are a bunch of good choices heading into the year so i think it's you know i i want to combat this whole season i feel like there's going to be Warriors fatigue and Warriors Cavs fatigue where it's like, oh god, the Warriors are just gonna win the title again, or oh god, we're gonna have round four of the finals of Warriors Cavs, and like, there's so much other stuff to watch which we're gonna devote our episode to next week, uh, there's so much fun stuff to watch this season, like, I don't want the likely occurrence in June to ruin our next nine months of having basketball back, so uh, These award races should at least add a little bit of intrigue as you otherwise wait for the inevitable doom that is the Golden State Warriors in the 2018 NBA Finals.
4: There is one thing we do know in regards to awards, though. That is, Gar Foreman is not going to win executive.
1: (laughs) Probably not. Hey, you never know. Maybe he flips like... uh, Maybe he turns Chris Dunn into Kristaps Porzingis. Maybe... He takes advantage. Oh, by
4: attaching Laurie Markkinen and the next fifty first-rounders <laughs> unprotected because he's still of the illusion that you need to give up picks when it's not necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, that, that is true. I should say, Executive of the Year, uh, Sam Presti. Congratulations. Come get your award at any time because that that yep. race is over. Uh, <laughs> yep. But everything else is wide open. Uh, so that is going to do it for us, Matt. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, could you give our listeners one more reminder where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your work?
2: Sure. Thanks for having me on guys. I really enjoyed the conversation. You guys are, are really smart and this was a, a really fun podcast to be on. Um, you can find me at CBS sports. Uh, you can catch me, uh, in brevity at Matt more CBS and you can catch me, um, not in brevity at <laughs> basketball at any time. And I, uh, uh, really, again, I appreciate you guys having me on. This was a lot of fun.
1: Good, yeah. Thanks yeah, for coming on. You're welcome Thank back you. anytime. Uh, please, everyone, give Matt a follow. He's one of the best basketball Twitter follows out there, as I'm sure all of you already know. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter, at the pod. In our bio, you can find all three of our Twitter handles that so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter, at FanRag Sports, and for their NBA content, at FanRag NBA. Until next time, I'm Brian Teporek, and I was joined by Morton Jensen, Sarah Chalea, and Matt Moore. Have a good one, y'all.
4: You too, Brian. You too,
1: Brian.